In today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I sit down with author and pastor Adam Griffin to talk about what family discipleship actually looks like in 2021. How do we talk to our kids about the issues of the current cultural climate? Why guys are so hesitant to go to professional counseling and so much more. But before we dive into that, I want to remind you to sign up for our family leadership program before the next cohort starts. I literally just got this voicemail yesterday from one of the guys in our recent cohort. Take a listen. Bro, today's training was very powerful. I just got to share that. So the first part hit some very sensitive pain points for me that that are probably hidden in my subconscious or like deep in my heart. I'm actually still processing it. We have tons of guys who have been impacted by this and as a result are being the men, the husbands, the fathers that God is calling them to be. If you want to join other like-minded men, I highly encourage you to sign up today. You can go to dadtire.com forward slash lead and use the promo code podcast. We'll give you 10% off when you do that. Again, that's dadtire.com forward slash lead. Use the promo code podcast to get 10% off for your tuition. Adam, super excited that you're here today with us, man. For the audience who may not be familiar with you, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days, bro. Well, my name is Adam Griffin. I'm a pastor of a church here in Dallas, Texas. I'm married to Chelsea, and we have three wonderful boys, Oscar, Gus, and Theodore. And I'm on this podcast with you, so honored, because I have a passion for family discipleship. And uh, last year, 2020, Matt Chandler and I released a book with Crossway about that topic. So I I love serving families, but more than that, I love uh, the privilege God has given me to raise the family he gave me. Yeah, man. So you're, you've got the uh, husband hat on, the dad hat on, the pastor hat on, yes, sir. the author hat on. And with my haircut, uh, I need a lot of hats. <laughs> well, people can't see. I'll just tell them, you got a beautiful set of, you know, set of hair there. That, Thank <laughs> you. If I had hair, you could see, I'd be amazed. Yeah, I'm rocking, I'm rocking just the scalp. Bro, you got you look good, bald man. I'm I'm Thanks. I'm wearing a hat right now, and uh, I'm going there. I'm moving that direction. And, it's not a bad uh, way to I, go. Don't be afraid. Well, I promise you, I will not look as cool as you look right now. <laughs> you got that cool. You got that like good manly look going on right well, now. Don't you sell yourself cool. short, <laughs> uh, dude. What? How are things going? Just I know you're wearing. We're talking about you wearing all these hats right now, but like as of today, we're talking on Monday, January eighteenth, two thousand twenty-one. Today. How are you doing, man? Just personally, as a man, uh, just figuring out your own journey. Man, I'll tell you what, 2021, I, like a lot of people, I have some uh, New Year's resolutions, both for my church, my family, myself personally. And I'm still at that like honeymoon phase. I'm feeling fired up, man. I'm, yeah. you know, working out like I should be, eating right and uh, reading my Bible. I am. Uh, I feel like our church is in a sweet, honest, vulnerable place and really going for it to try to make a difference in our city. And so right now I'm feeling happy, optimistic, pumped up, but it certainly doesn't mean there haven't been really, really hard times. I mean, this is a Mm. difficult season for a lot of our folks and it's a difficult season for the Griffin family as well. There's a lot of hard things, whether it be a sickness or unemployment or whether it be, I mean, just name it. It's been difficult, but I'm telling you, man, our God is so good right now. I'm just Mm. feeling fired up for the ministry we've got. That's awesome, man. I'm the same way. I'm a, when the new year comes around, I'm like full fledged, just like, we go. let's get after it. I love, I, I love the new year. Uh, what remind me how old your kids are? I have a nine year old, seven year old and five year old boy. Oh, wow. We're close. Yeah. I have a nine year old, seven year old and two year old. Yes, sir. I didn't realize that we had, yeah. What, what, what like parenting challenge 
are you facing right now as a dad? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Honestly, COVID has been great for my boys in the sense that they've had so much time in isolation with just each other as friends that they've developed a lot of like, uh, they, they lean on each other for entertainment and, and to, mm. uh, to hang out in ways that when they were more in school, uh, they had their peers that they were more around. And now it's, it's driven them there. But the challenge that comes with that as well is when you're around each other all the time, you find out not only what you like to do together, but what you don't like other people to yeah. do with you. And so yeah. right now it's a lot of talk about just being kind to our brothers and talking about how we share everything we have. And, and now we're kind of getting back in the swing of having other friends around and, and, and hanging out places. But the parenting difficulty that I see in my own heart is my desire when I am trying to get work done from home is how do I manage the expectation my kids have of if dad is home, then he must be available for us to hang out with. And at the same time going, but dad still has a job to do. And so that's a, it's a hard road to walk. And I want my kids growing up thinking uh, that the church in any way infringed on the attention that they received as my sons. And at the same time, I want them to be delighted that dad has a real job to do. And it's a, it's a privilege that sometimes dad gets to do that from home. Uh, But it's a hard balance to walk and it takes constant instruction to remind them that's the case for our family. Yeah. I think a lot of guys struggle with that. And a lot of us young dads are trying to figure out like, what is the balance between giving my kids attention so that they don't feel neglected um, while also recognizing they're not the center of the world. They're not even the center of the family. Right. So like uh, you dad's got to work. And I think a lot of guys feel that right now. Uh, even more so because a lot of guys are working from home, you know, for sure. Uh, have you figured out like that balance as you dance that line? <laughs> like I, I want you to have my attention, but also, you know, yeah, you know, what's <laughs> crazy. You don't get my attention 24 seven. Yeah. Jared, I've been in, uh, I've been seeing a new counselor lately and it's been really good for my heart just to process, you know, mm. new childhood, parenthood, uh, being a pastor, being a dad, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yet I know that, that, sometimes as a kid, when you grow up, you're harder on your dad than maybe he deserves. Uh, Mm. uh, Certainly, I've seen that in a lot of men's testimonies, that we can easily make our dads the villains in the story, even though our dad may just be just another imperfect man. Now, I'm not saying that every dad is qualified to be a father. Certainly, there are reasons that there might be boundaries put up between people and their dads. But the fear for me, honestly, that I walk through, that I'm struggling through with the Lord, is that my kids would not remember my my worst fatherhood moments as the defining fatherhood moments. I I'd like to think that like I play with my kids a lot. They're delighted to spend time with me a lot. But there are certainly also times where I'm like dad's going to go in the other room cuz he's got to do something or where maybe I'm I'm harsher than my desire would be or I'm uh, less of a good example than my desire would be and I just pray Lord let this not be the testimony defining moment for my kid one yeah. day saying well let me tell you about yeah. my dad and, and what they remember of me whether they you know so I'm not always around my kids so will they think what level creates an absenteeism that would uh, lead to something they would they would blame me for. And at the same time, uh, you know this, I'm just giving it to the Lord and saying, Lord, yeah. I'm, I'm going to parent, uh, but I'm going to understand these kids are His. And whatever the Lord wants to do with my uh, presence in their life, I'm, I'm looking for obedience there. And I'm going to look for joy there, just a fruit of the Spirit there. And that's my hope. And wanting to be a great dad is that uh, the fruit of the Spirit would be what's most on display. One of the things you mentioned there that I think will stick out to some guys, you said it in passing, but you're seeing a counselor. Uh, this is like a a topic for most dudes, 
you know, I, I've gone to counseling uh, before. I've spent a lot of time in counselors' offices. And, uh, it, you know, we just generally speaking, most dudes don't feel comfortable going to counseling. A lot of wives have suggested, hey, maybe <laughs> we should go to counseling. Yeah. And a lot of dudes are just like, oh, man, I don't need another guy to tell me or another woman to tell me how bad of a dude I am, right? I already know that I'm, I suck at this whole thing. So uh, is counseling like a new thing for you? I've been to probably three counselors at three different stages in my life, some of them with my wife, some of them without. And I can tell you there is a big difference between good counsel and not good counsel. And so I think part of it is finding somebody that you really click with, but also somebody that thinks theologically the way you think is really, really important. And so the counselor that I have right now, the biblical counselor, I just came to a point in my life where I'm, I'm trying to reflect on being a better man. And so I wanted to get some wise counsel, somebody uh, who's just going to sit and listen to what I'm struggling with, and then is going to speak some wisdom into that situation from the Bible. So for me, and guys go to counseling for all sorts of reasons, be it relational or be it substance abuse or be it uh, emotional struggles like anger. I really wanted to go and say, where where am I? Um, where is what I am really strong in? maybe leading towards a, a sinful aspiration? And where is where I feel like maybe really weak? Am I not seeing the way God is using it? And just helping me discern in me, maybe is there something that I'm really proud of that's actually something I should be fighting against? And is there something I really despise about myself that is actually a gift from the Lord? And that's mm. a hard process for me to go through on my own. But uh, this older, wiser man has been really helpful for me. It's It's a little like paying a mentor and not everybody has to pay for that. But I wanted to do a season where I knew I was going to have weekly appointments where somebody was just, their job was just to help me discern some things and that's what they do for a living. So it's yeah. been really good for me. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think it just, it takes a level of humility to say, uh, I've got blind spots. There are things that I can't process on my own. And I would love to think I'm sharp enough. I, you know, I'm wise enough. I'm getting old enough, mature enough to be able to see the areas of my life that need some improvement. Truth is, man, I'm sinful and broken. I've got areas in my life that I just, uh, either one, I don't have the courage to attack on my own, uh, or two, I just simply don't see. I don't even know that they're there. And having somebody, um, whether that's a mentor or somebody paid. And I think sometimes for those guys like you who are, uh, you know, serving in ministry capacity, uh, I think it's it just so healthy, dude. And we got a lot of pastors who listen to this. Uh, I, I think for the, for you to have the humility to say, I'm going to make sure I put my money and my time where my mouth you know, is and, and my priorities are. I think it's huge, dude. I love it. Um, all right. You got this book out, Family Discipleship. People are loving it. It's getting great reviews. I see it posted everywhere in magazines and Instagram and uh, all over the place. So it, it, there's some good stuff in there, man. Talk to me. You're a young dad like me, so it's a little bit intimidating trying to talk to yeah. people about dad stuff when you feel like you're just starting the dad journey. Uh, but t- talk to me about your heart of just writing this book. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, I I know you've been there. You put a book out that's about parenting and you're just starting. You're like, what am I asking for for my poor kids? You know, what are they going <laughs> to think one day or what resentments am I am I building towards for them? But exactly. uh part of the reason I wrote this book with Matt Chandler is to say uh he has kids that are a little bit older. He's been parenting a few years longer than me, about uh maybe a little less than 10 years longer than I have, and his household looks different. And it's a chance to, instead of saying one author, to having a co-author deal gives us an opportunity to say, not every house is going to look the same. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so speaking personally from a position of here we are in the elementary years, this is what family discipleship looks like. And here's Matt speaking from here we are in the high school years, this is what family discipleship looks like. But both of us getting to speak to it from the sense of a pastor saying these are, these are biblical truths. And just because we haven't had our kids graduate into some kind of perfection post high school of following Christ does not disqualify us from pastoring people. And saying what is true about what God has called us to be as far as being a mom and a dad. And so I'm very passionate, obviously, about the topic. That's why we wrote a book about it. And Matt shares that passion with me. But having both of our experiences combined helps me overcome a little bit of the what what do I know and become a little bit more of like, this is what God says. And if you want to see an imperfect version of it, but our version of it in the Griffin house, this is what it looks like. And the same thing with the Chandler house. And so uh, taking uh, advantage of that opportunity to say, how can we bless families by giving them a little bit of a glimpse into our home, but really a big glimpse into what the Lord has called them to and trying to help people not only um, maybe be convicted or inspired towards discipling, but the idea with the book was say, let's help dads and moms have a plan. Let's help moms and dads uh, be able to, by the time they're done with a book, not go, now we need to buy the study guide or now I need to you know, sign up for uh, the the book reading club with the authors, but just go, here it is. It help you make a plan, process that plan and follow through in that plan, understanding that it's flexible enough to fit every family. Yeah. I spoke at an event with Matt uh, a couple of years ago and the day be- or the night before we spoke, uh, the, the people who were hosting us had a big dinner for all of us, uh, the speakers. And so I was with Matt and his son, he actually brought his son and so it was cool for me to see him interact with his son who's in high school and and just get a glimpse of kind of behind the scenes of his life and really recognize like, man, that's the kind of model, even in my short interaction with him from the car ride over to dinner, uh, I you know, I got a glimpse of like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm chasing after as a dad who, you know, eventually will have a son, kids in high school. So, uh, you know, I that's just putting more uh, validity behind what you guys are doing. You know, I've seen the behind the scenes stuff and, and you guys are the real deal when it comes to, to shepherding your families. Well, when you think through like it, for those guys who haven't yet read the book, uh, big picture, you say, we just want to point, you know, here are our two imperfect families, but we want to point back to biblically. What does it look like? Big picture. When a guy thinks through family discipleship, which feels super intimidating yeah. uh, for most dudes, like I don't even feel like I'm a good leader. And then you throw the word spiritual in front of it. Now I have to be a spiritual leader, yeah. super intimidating. What does that mandate look like from a biblical perspective? Well, I think, Jared, yeah, having read your book, you're, you're such an expert in this world. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, if you want to share it. But it, the Lord has asked us for a heart posture towards him and towards our families that leads toward leadership. And leadership biblically looks like serving, right? It looks like saying, what does my family need? And then how do I initiate that for them? It's not Mm. saying uh, we need somebody who's perfect, always know the right answers and um, knows exactly what to do, when to do it. That's a version of leadership we've kind of been sold in hero movies. But leadership often looks like uh, looking at your kids, the kid that you have right in front of you and saying, what does this kid need? What does he need from me? And And then when it comes to your spiritual life, it looks like I'm I am uh, called to have my own walk with the Lord, and how could that be something that I can invite my family into? Yeah. And you don't have to be a theological wizard or a seminary professor to be able to lead your family in following Christ together. It can be as simple as thinking about reading a scripture together, praying together, and if you're <laughs> adept at it, maybe singing a song together. 
but we kind of make it a big and intimidating thing. But the idea even behind this book was to demystify what seems so otherworldly and help parents, especially dads in this circumstance, say, what could this look like? And it could look like just interweaving spiritual conversations into what we already do. You know, it's, um, you know, my son played a basketball game last night and you think about coming back off that basketball game where they lost, where he didn't play as well as he wanted to. And there's a way to just have a worldly conversation around that, but there's also a way to have a family discipleship type conversation where we talk about what it means to be a leader, to be somebody who serves his teammates well, somebody who doesn't make winning the ultimate thing. And I can tell you, Jared, and you've probably seen this already too, there's some parents there that have a very different philosophy than I do about what is the purpose of nine-year-old basketball. But we're just trying to teach our kids about uh, that earthly things are not everything. You know, we're we're pursuing something bigger, a kingdom that is to come and and a king who's already here. Yeah. Give me an example. So I love that. I love that. Just like, all right, I've, I've got my my spiritual leadership hat on, which really just means I'm looking for every conversation possible. I'm looking for every opportunity possible to point my kids' eyes back to Jesus. Yeah. And so, uh, and when you have that hat on, it's amazing how much your perspective changes. And when you look at things like when you see your kids who are about to lose a basketball game, you're already thinking, how can I try to point this back to Jesus? And I always tell guys, it, this is a stumbling, like we stumble through this. Exactly. And the earlier you can start, you start when they're two, one, uh, when they can't even understand what you're saying, you get some good practice so that they can understand what you're saying. When, or it makes it, you're a little better at it. Yeah, um, so get, give me a practical example, maybe even last night, if that's a good one. Uh, you know, your, your son loses a basketball game. You guys get in the car, you're walking in the car. Like, what does that look? What do you say to him to shift that conversation back to Jesus? Well, yeah, uh, last night would be a good example of something. My, my wife is actually really, really gifted at having these conversations of talking mm. not only about how many steals and rebounds and shots were made or how you play better defense, but talking about what kind of man we want our son to be. And so as sometimes with sports, it can seem like a conflict. So you have to understand, like, is it unkind to steal the ball from somebody in sports? <laughs> Every other area of life, we tell our kids not to steal, you know? So it's having a, a spiritual conversation, but it's also explaining like, well, while in much of life, what we're saying is uh, we want you to uh, be kind and be generous. Sometimes in sports, that means uh, we're going to be competitive. But how could we be competitive without saying we're going to be uh, we're going to devalue somebody on the other team? And why does somebody have value? And the root of all those value questions end up being people have value because God has given them value. And so, how do you think God thinks about uh, the people on the other team or a guy who treated you poorly? or a mom who is yelling, or a referee who is rude? Do, is our job as Christians retaliation or revenge? Where do we ever see in the Bible, son, that the job of the Christian is retaliation or revenge? That's just never there. Revenge belongs to the Lord. And so what is our role? Yeah, we're not going to excuse poor behavior on somebody else's behalf or when we see it in our own heart, but we are also going to uh, not say there are no ramifications for our mistakes or somebody else's mistakes. And so what does it look like to have grace and yet take sin seriously? That's a big deal. But more commonly than moments like that, even probably lately, and you'll know this, Jared, there's been so much going on globally, nationally, locally in the news. So for our families, family discipleship right now often looks like helping our kids think through what they're hearing about at school, what they're seeing on TV, what uh, commercials they see during sports or as we're watching uh, NFL football games and they're talking about racial division, we're helping our kids think biblically about things that are going on locally, nationally, and globally 
to help them understand this is the call of the Christian, but also how the Christian views the world. Yeah. How much do you expose your kids to that? Um, you know, there's kind of like a, I'm not, I don't want my kids to be exposed to any of this violence or the political chaos happening. And there's other people who are like, no, I want them to know, you know, uh, what's going on. And I want them to have a biblical perspective on it. Where, where do you fall in that? That's a great question. And I think every kid, maybe age, every family might be a little bit different. I will tell you that if you never tell your kids something about that, somebody else will. And yeah. so I want my my kids to have my voice yep. be the loudest outside the Lord's in how to think about things. And so there are times where we make decisions. So for instance, uh, this week we were talking as a church about abortion and with my kids. I don't necessarily get into the nitty gritty of what abortion is, but we do talk to our kids about what people believe about people who aren't born yet. And so I'll have a conversation like that, that sounds much more age appropriate, that there are people in this world who believe different things about whether or not somebody who is not born yet has rights or is a human being. And because of that, here's what uh, daddy's church is talking about, or here's what our family is going to be doing. And so we find age appropriate ways that they're never surprised by a topic maybe, but they've never had it maybe at an adult level at this point. And the same thing yeah. uh, holds true for conversations like uh, about pornography. With my oldest son, we read a book called Good Picture, Bad Picture, which is a great resource yep. for parents. Yep. Uh, but we don't necessarily talk about all the things that have to go with exploitation, human trafficking, lust, or uh, any other maybe more you know, pubescent conversations around it when I've got kids in elementary school. But I also don't, I don't want them to find these conversations for the first time somewhere other than my home, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I'm totally on board with that. I, and I, I just, I've always been a believer that uh, I want my kids, you know, age appropriate as it makes sense, but I want them to understand the ramifications of sin in their own heart and in the world. And, uh, and those are just such great gospel opportunities. So uh, yes. I'm okay exposing, I kind of lean towards them, exposing them towards like keep pushing that line a little bit. And, uh, I just want them to know, man, that this world is in desperate need of a savior as much as your heart is in desperate need of a savior. So is this world. And there's always gospel hope for both of those things. And so I want them to be exposed to that. Yeah. Um, And I want as a parent to be a very safe place for them to ask questions. Right. So if the conversations they always have are outside our home and it feels like we're not mentioning it inside our home, it can make your home feel like an unsafe place to ask about what's happening in the news or what this means in the gospel. So we want to bring things up. So when questions do come up for them, they feel safe to ask. Yeah, that's good, dude. I, um, I, I've been to Texas, uh, uh, a number of times. And, uh, one thing that has stuck out to me, this is true really all over the country, but Texas has a different breed of this. Uh, the way that you guys approach sports and children (laughs) in sports is intense. I think it's true all over the country. Uh, it's true here in Oregon. It's true in Indiana, you know, everywhere I've, I've gone, sure. I've seen it, but Texas, man, <laughs> you guys do a big there. Yeah. Uh, how do you, as a pastor trying to shepherd a bunch of young families who've got their kids in sports and want to play sports on the way, how do you balance the, like, all right, man, it's starting to feel like we might be worshiping, uh, the, oh. the sports leagues here. It's not starting to feel like that. That's a reality. Uh, yeah. I, I've said before that there's no place where depravity is more on display than in the way a parent treats a referee at an elementary school sports program. I mean, it's like this poor guy, 
I don't know if he's making a little bit more than minimum wage or whatever to to call basketball game for nine year olds, but you would think that this parent's uh, college scholarship for this kid is on the line based yeah. on this this latest traveling or double dribble or whatever. And there have literally been times where I've talked to strangers on the sideline of basketball games, just asking them, "Please don't scream at the kids," because yeah. to me it's become so insane. But then do I become one of those parents where I'm the one telling other people what to do? Like, hey, this is the way we do this, not like that. And, yeah. you know, being a, being a light in a dark world sometimes means being a calm parent who wants their kids to have fun in a world where everybody else is screaming and yelling and treating yeah. people like garbage. And, and it's, a, it's an easy microcosm for what we see in the rest of the world where there is a vitriolic hatred, uh, poured out towards strangers because of what they think or because they, they're, they're seen as like your enemy. Uh, but for us, uh, culturally, as a church, we're trying to constantly be something different than that. So we're talking about idolatry in every form, but certainly youth sports is part of it to say, man, our, yeah. our kids uh, and whether or not they get a D1 scholarship is not going to determine my <laughs> emotional health for the next 20 years. You know, I am going to be crazy, just fine. Dude. Yeah. 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 When you talked about in the book, you're laying it out, trying like trying to lay out very practical, you know, here, here's a game plan for you when it comes to family discipleship. Can you talk to us uh, about some of those, like what, what would a game plan look like? I think I love that language because most guys uh, don't know where they're going. And so if you don't really know where you're trying to go, you, you can't have a plan to get there. And so what, what does a game plan look like when it comes to family discipleship? That's a great question. We, we lay out in the book what we call a framework which the idea of the framework is to be able to say whatever your family looks like. If you think about these categories and plan out either together with your spouse, if you're married or with your community, if you're a single parent or just on your own, if that's where you're at right now. But we have these four categories that we like to think through that make up the framework. The first is modeling. To your point earlier, Jared, that that we're called first and foremost to be childs of children of God ourselves, to, to treat God like our father ourselves. And if we're not walking with the Lord, then, then what are we going to do to try to fake it for our kids? Like nobody's asking a dad to have a fake spiritual life just so his kid would be impressed with him or I don't know. So the first thing is modeling to think through what does it look like to repent where we fall short, to be honest about our mistakes and, and to try to lead out uh, by first following. And so being a follower first of Jesus Christ before we'd be a leader of our families. And then we talk about these three other parts of the framework, time, moments, and milestones, which is also in the subtitle of the book. Time is thinking about what are the appointed times? Like when on the calendar is our family getting together just to talk about God or just to live out the principles of the gospel? So that might be anything from family devotions to scheduling a time to go serve together or going, uh, going to church together, or just uh, leveraging a time that's already on your family calendar. Like maybe it's, uh, you know, the commute home from the basketball game every week is going to be our time as a family to talk. It, you're just saying on the calendar, this is family time for family discipleship. And the second element is moments. And moments is leveraging opportunities that are just going to come your way. So uh, maybe we're watching TV together and a commercial comes on that sparks some worldview conflict with what we believe. And I'm going to take advantage of that moment. But it might also be us at the zoo talking about God's creativity and the animals we see around us. Or often for families, it's in moments of discipline. It's when my kid has done something he's been warned against, and it's an opportunity for me to take advantage of that moment to remind him that God loves us regardless of how we have uh, messed up or how we succeeded, how we've misbehaved or how we've behaved, and yet the Lord has called us to something better. And so those are family discipleship moments. And 
in the book, we kind of help uh, think through what are ways that you could redeem those times and what are some phrases or words or verses that you might be ready with when those times come up. And then the last one is milestones. And that's kind of like a bigger version of both. And milestones is a way of planning out both how you'll mark and, and make occasions to commemorate what God's doing in the life of your family. So Matt talks about in the book how when his kids turn 13, he does kind of a big rite of passage birthday party to talk about becoming an adult. I talk about in our family with my younger kids. Uh, we have a, a journal Bible for each kid that I'm writing through and journaling through to one day give them in a moment uh, or in a milestone uh, time when I want them to really appreciate what God has done in their life. But this could be anything from thinking about uh, family trips to uh, missions trips to uh, pilgrimages to heirlooms to things you might give to your kid. There, it's kind of the big version of something I really want to be memorable for my kid. And of course, there's scriptural examples for all those things. And in the book, we try to create space and give ide- ideas in order for people to say, what could it look like in your house? Understanding that we're not trying to make our family fit our plan. We're trying to make a plan that's going to fit our family that'll probably get readjusted a thousand times before we're empty nesters. Yeah, I I love that, man. And I I just, I'll reiterate that most guys uh, listening, you know, I've I've felt this before. This is, I I don't have a plan. And I'm I'm just kind of winging it. You know, I'm winging it day to day and I'm trying to, you know, say something about God and it feels awkward today. But I think that that, mindset of going into parenting with the, I've got a plan here. There's something I'm trying, there's a destination I'm trying to reach. I want my kids to be in love with Jesus as that when they're, when I send them out to go yeah. make disciples of the, in the world. And so, um, developing a plan. So I, I love all of that, man. Uh, I have very few books on my bookshelf that I keep there that I don't, you know, pass and gift on, um, when it comes to parenting, yours is one of them. So, man, I'm just, I, I highly recommend uh, any guy listening to to go get a copy of it right now. We'll put a link in the show notes. But dude, thank you for just kind of scratching the surface. I know we didn't get it into all the the nitty gritty stuff, but obviously you wrote it all down in a book, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, it's written somewhere. Yeah, recommend everyone go pick up a copy of that, man. But thank you for taking the time to hang out with us today, dude. I appreciate it. This was my honor. Thank you, Jared. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Adam. Just as a reminder, you can join our family leadership program by going to dadtire.com forward slash lead and using the promo code podcast to take 10% off your tuition. We'll see you next week.